live and welcome everyone to this episode of Down the Rabbit Hole with Ed the Techie and me, who um, be the um, uneducated host for the evening, as Ed regales us with tales of Admiral Bird at the bottom of the world. Welcome, Ed. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody who's listening. Nice to be back. It's great to hear you again. Um, just a quick, yeah, quick one for the uh, troll room. How's the audio? Um, Ed, give them some level, please. Hello, this is Ed the Techie coming to you live from sunny Brighton. Let's just see. We'll give them a couple of seconds to respond. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep, there Excellent. we go. Right. So Vaughn started stirring it already with, I thought it was the edge of the world. No, no, no. <laughs> don't know what you uh, mean. That's a longitude and latitude calculator behind me. Please don't. Yeah, we're going to. Well, that's that's flat earth. And, and tonight we're going to touch on hollow, hollow earth. earth. Yeah. Cool. Which is another one of those theories. Mm -hmm. Cool. Right. Okay, Ed, take it away. Where are we starting? So, without further ado, without further ado, let's uh, take a trip to the icy depths of Antarctica to unravel the enigmatic mystery surrounding Admiral Richard Byrd and his legendary naval operation, Operation High Jump. For years, experts have been trying to piece together the true objectives of this intriguing mission, navigating through a blizzard of official statements, conspiracy theories, and mere speculation. The plan is to try and uncover the truth, or get a little bit closer to it than we are at the moment. And we're going to delve fairly deeply into the rumours and official explanations that have left so many people wondering what actually happened during the Antarctic exploration. Let's start at the beginning. That's Admiral Richard Byrd, born 1888, which is kind of a cool year to be born, um, just because of all the eights, and died in 1957. Um, he's a famed polar explorer and naval officer and led what was officially known as the United States Antarctic Development Expedition. You now know why they called it Operation High Jump. Yeah. Between 1946 and 1947, the mission was said to be centered around research, researching seismic activity, establishing weather stations and other scientific endeavors. The sheer scale of the operation with 13 ships and over 4,000 Navy personnel and a vast assortment of aircraft, uh, fixed-wing helicopters, the works. Um, it's led many to suspect that there was something more going on, and the rumours have just gone completely crazy. I mean, the official the, the official Navy explanation is, is the usual U.S. military kind of nothing to see here. We were just we were going down there to establish a presence and. Yeah. To see if there are any natural resources and well, it wasn't, see if I, I, sorry, it wasn't Bud's first rodeo though, was it? He'd, he'd been on mm. expeditions for for both himself and the navy before, hadn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He was the first. Um, he was the first person to circle the North Pole in a plane. Cool. Um, which was 1926. So circling the North Pole in a plane in 1926 was not an easy thing to do. That's, uh, um, he was also, yeah, that's flight over the North Pole. That's one. He's got some cojones then. Yeah, no, he was a proper, um, uh, yeah, uh, serious. I mean, he was he was basically a very serious guy and, a, and an explorer. I mean, he was, he's also credited with the first polar flight um, on Antarctica as well, yeah. where he flew from Little America, which is the American base um on antarctica or in antarctica to the south pole and back um i don't know how that kind of tracks with the whole ice wall and the flat earth thing but that's that's not what this particular oh. podcast is about um and let me just go back to where we were so for those unfamiliar with the story of Admiral Richard Byrd, as John and I have been saying, he's a highly decorated and renowned American naval officer, aviator, and polar explorer. However, it's not his impressive accomplishments that have endeared him to rabbit hole explorers around the world. 
It's a series of events and claims that occurred during his participation in Operation High Jump. And that have, yeah, that, that's essentially where, where the legend was born, um, was Operation High Jump. Now, Operation High Jump is widely viewed as one of the many top-secret missives that took place in the aftermath of World War II. And it did happen just at the end of the war. It's one of the, one of the interesting things about it, because the Americans essentially were shipping loads of troops home and Europe was completely destroyed. And um, yeah, there was, there was a lot for the Americans to do. Um, but they decided to send a whole bunch of ships to Antarctica, which... So, so towards the end of the war, there was all these rumours as well about, you know, Nazis escaping to Argentina and, and down in that area mm-hmm. and, and U-boats going to Antarctica and stuff like that. Do you think there was anything around that um, with with regard to this big military expedition to the to the South Pole? Well, yeah. I mean, I... You can, you, I mean, you kind of put two and two together and and make four. It, it's it's kind of, I mean, Antarctica, particularly at that time. I mean, this is before a lot of the modern um, fabrics and materials and plastics and stuff that makes polar exploration in twenty twenty three um, slightly easier than it would have been in nineteen forty seven. Mm-hmm. Um. And just the, the sheer number of ships and aircraft and men that they sent there, it just it doesn't track. There's something about it yeah. which um, which doesn't make sense. And I mean, the, the the Nazis were they were on Antarctica. I mean, there's even um, there you go Nazis in Antarctica. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and. So they had some bases and they were trying to tap the continent for um, um, resources and things like that. That was the official explanation. The rumors about what the Nazis were doing in Antarctica um, primarily focus around a secret underground base called Base 211, um, which was theoretically a sanctuary for German elite. And they stored loads of advanced technology, some of the UFO stuff that we talked about in a previous uh, rabbit hole, um, and scientists and things like that. Um, so, yeah, the flying disc, the the oh. deglocker, de- de- and um, what was the other one called? Uh, begins with an H. Hanabu, that's the one. Um, and also, theoretically, is an escape for some of the the more high-ranking Nazis, such as Hitler, who has always that um, his death has always been the subject of conspiracy theories, and it's probably a rabbit hole in itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, the, theoretically, the Nazis had created massive underground bunkers and bases, and they had submarines going out there and everything else. Um, and in theory, High Jump was was sent there because the Americans had found out about the Antarctic base and were determined to root out the Nazis or steal the tech or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, so that, that's the, it's one of the main sort of conspiracy theories around high jump is that it was about, um, killing Nazis effectively. Um, and Admiral Byrd, he wasn't the, he wasn't the commander of the operation. Um, he was, I think he was basically second in command, but he was, he was on one. Sh- he, he had command of the aircraft carrier. Well, what was an aircraft carrier back then? Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual mission commander was Admiral rear Admiral Richard H. Cruzen. Um, so Bird was, um, yeah, he, he was, he was kind of subservient, this uh this other admiral um and sorry i've just lost my place yeah so adding fuel to the fire the numerous tales of otherworldly encounters that unfolded during the operation reports of ufo sightings mysterious flying machines in the antarctic skies filled conspiracy forums for years um and there's a lot of stuff about that if you go looking for it 
Um, and these strange craft were said to have capabilities far beyond anything that was available in 1947. Yeah. There's also rumors of Foo Fighters, which uh, were what the um, Allied airmen mm-hmm. termed the UFOs. And, I mean, we covered people should go back to the, the UFO rabbit hole and give that a watch if they haven't yeah. already. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we looked at Foo Fighters, didn't we? And, and we surmised that there's a possibility it could have been ball lightning, but it, it's a bit strange for it to have trailed aircraft for so many miles and things like that. So that maybe takes away exactly. from the fact that there, there was or wasn't ball lightning. You know, it's a bit... It's just a, a, another unknown that we, 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 we couldn't draw a real conclusion on. Absolutely. But that's, I mean, the, these these rabbit holes are more about the exploration and the journey rather than necessarily mm-hmm. um, finding any truth. It's it, it's kind of asking some of the interesting questions, uncovering some of the things that people have been saying about it, looking at official explanations and rumours and just giving people a bit of um, a bit of a starting point if they want to do their own research. Yeah, yeah. Um, now... By far the most intriguing aspect of Operation High Jump and Admiral Byrd's involvement lies at the centre of the whole Earth. And and after at, after this flight, the um, the theories kind of there, there was a resurgence in ideas about Hollow Earth, largely because of the contents of um, theoretically Admiral Byrd's lost diary, um, which we'll come to in a minute. Um. But Antarctica has long been the subject of rumours and speculation regarding um, an entrance to the hidden world. I mean, there's people think that the North Pole has um, a hidden entrance as well. It's a peaceful we're, civilization. We're back, we're back. Sorry, we had a, we had a oh. small glitch there. Oh. Um, my fault, my fault. Um, but we're back. We're back and, and we're on the same stream. So my apologies, people. Um, that was my fault. Something was running in the background that had caused us to drop some frames, so I cancelled it and it made the uh, the stream glitch. Um, so we're, if we could Oops. go back about a minute, Ed, and start that bit again. Uh, okay. Uh, did we cover the Hollow Earth? We started to co- cover the right. Hollow Earth. So it, all of the Hollow Earth stuff comes from this supposed secret diary of Admiral Byrd. Um, and it, it's, it came out in 1971, theoretically found by his son after his death and, um, published and yeah, then that, that was, that was that, that, that started masses of additional conspiracy theories and hollow earth theories and things like that. Admiral Byrd himself, himself never said anything. This is, this is part of the. Part of the difficulty with this whole story is that the man himself was a highly, yeah, a high, yeah he had a highly comment, commended military officer, yeah. highly decorated, I meant, sorry. Um, and he just kept his mouth shut. And whether he saw anything or didn't see anything. Yeah, but isn't that a bit strange? Because he, he was quite a personality before all this. You know, he was he was well known to the public and such like. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then after it, he's basically said nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he didn't even really talk to talk about um, the stuff that that officially happened in Antarctica. He was basically just silent about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, until this diary came out, and the, the problem with being <laughs> silent like that is nature abhors a vacuum, and the internet abhors a vacuum even more than nature does, <laughs> yeah. and so. You you just you've left wide open spaces for some crazy speculation, and uh, I mean whether the the book was released in an attempt to make money, whether it was genuinely genuinely his diary that was found, nobody knows. I mean that, that's that's not a a question that one one can answer. Um, but the diary, in theory, extracts detail of his supposed journey into the inner earth and encounters with an advanced peaceful civilization that warned humanity of the potential for global destruction if we do not change our destructive ways. Um, Now, these dramatic claims have raised questions for years, but one might wonder why mainstream media or the scientific community didn't even entertain such theories. It's just not, it's, as we know with those guys, they're not really interested in 
answering interesting questions a lot of the time. Now, could that be because there's something to these outlandish ideas that those in power would prefer to keep hidden? Or do they simply view the, the ideas as too ludicrous and unsupported by evidence to warrant investigation? So that's um, both of those could be true. Now, the most interesting part of Admiral Byrd's time in, in Antarctica during Operation High Jump was a flight that he took where he lost contact um, for about three hours. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an established fact. That's not a rumor. Yeah. Um, now, he had a team. They, they had teams of six uh, R4Ds. They're basically a military version of the DC-3, um, which I think was one of the the earliest of the McDonnell Douglas aircraft. Yeah. And they were fitted with cameras. Each plane had a trailing magnetometer. So it had a wire um, trailing from the back of the aircraft that uh, picked up magnetic data. Um, what was that and anomalies in? Were they looking for submarines or they're looking for magnetic anomalies in the, in the ground or what? Yeah, I mean, in theory, uh, part of Operation High Jump was about um, scientific research, mm-hmm. and they didn't actually do as much of that as they'd intended. Um, well, they didn't. They, see, the thing that gets me is they didn't stay there as long as they intended. No, they, they were there due to go there for about a year. Yeah. And they ended up, they ended up uh, pulling out after three months. Yeah. Um, and, and the official explanation is that they ran out of money. Mm, that's, that's pretty much that they, they'd hit their budget. <laughs> yeah, but, Which, well, but yeah. surely they spent the budget before they went. So uh, it just sounds a bit strange. Just about an interest. Well, was any of the ships or was any personnel lost? There, there were some accidents. There was a helicopter accident um, where one of the one of one of the helicopters crashed um, when it was trying to land. They nearly lost the submarine. Um, I did find this rather funky picture of three ships trying to push an iceberg. Which, yeah, that's what you do if you're the U.S. military. Yeah. Um, they they took a submarine with them. Uh-huh. Now, they they when they nearly lost that, it was it was essentially because let me just pull the map back up again. Sorry, I just need to flick around. There we go. Um, the the Antarctic base is the American base is around here, yep. little Antarctica, and then this is all the Ross around here. This is all the Ross ice shelf. Yeah, so that's sea ice. So they actually, yeah, and yeah. that's like really thick sea ice, yep. and they had um. Uh, they had a hardcore icebreaker with them, yep. but they also had 13 ships and submarine. Um, and it was, yeah, it was the, the submarine that, that caused them the most problems because submarines in, in Antarctica. Now, this also raises the question about the Nazis getting there, because theoretically a lot of the Nazi um, personnel and materials were shipped to Antarctica via submarine. Yeah, and they must have had similar problems to the Americans. Now, whether they just had they'd been going there longer and they've just developed techniques, whether they found a special route that was relatively deep and ice-free, or whatever happened, taking a submarine to Antarctica then and now um, is not the best idea I can think of, um, yeah. because. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as we know with icebergs, a lot of the the mass of the iceberg is underwater. And if you're in a ship, you're only going down so far. And yeah, they're a danger. But if you're in a submarine, you've got no idea what's in front of you, especially not with 1940s sonar. Yeah. And the other problem is it's not like you can just keep going under the ice cap in the Antarctica because there's a continent there. So there's land. Yeah. Whereas it's different, different in the Arctic, where you can actually, I mean, they pass submarines underneath the Arctic, you know, quite routinely now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was, I mean, it was the largest US military task force that was sent, had been sent to the South Pole at that yeah. point. And I think it's still, it still ranks as one of the largest yeah. missions to the South Pole. Now, back to Admiral Byrd's. Um, interesting flight. Mm-hmm. Um, on the they were basically mapping missions. They sent planes out to 
um, map sections of Antarctica and and a lot of the the mapping that's been done of Antarctica. I mean, that was when it when it started because of the resources they took with them. But on the last of many mapping flights, all six planes went out. Um, and they were all sent on preordained paths to film and measure with magnetometers and because they're essentially looking to see if there's anything under the ice or um, the, the sorts of things that uh, magnetic data would give you. Um, but Admiral Byrd's plane returned back three hours late um, and it was stated that they lost an engine and had to limp back to base. That was the official explanation. But shortly thereafter, Operation High Jump was pre prematurely ended and the expedition quickly left the area. Right. So that's uh, why would you go to all of the trouble to schlep your way out there, smash through the ice of the, the Ross Ice Shelf, yeah. carve past for 13 ships. We're not just talking about um, sailing a, to the Bahamas yeah. and back. Establish a military and scientific base, start mapping the area, mm -hmm. You're prepared for a, a twelve month stay and three months into it you go, ah sod this, I'm going back I'm going back home. Absolutely. And that's and, and the official explanation was that they ran out of money, but they were only three months into the operation. So it just it's it's one of the many things about this whole thing that doesn't track. Mm. Um so the now three in hours book, three no, hours go. late back on his plane. Where did he well, go I mean, for the DC, Yeah, and those those planes, um, they, they weren't very big, and they didn't carry huge amounts of fuel. And in theory, he should have actually run out of fuel after about an hour and three quarters to two hours. So he was an hour. So he, he was flying for an hour with nothing, basically, after he'd mm -hmm. been flying for those three hours. And that's that yeah. then begs the question... Was he flying for those three hours? Well, that that's the question, and and I mean, officially, it's all ice and snowy well, hellscape. You I, say that, you say that, but I've seen footage of people bathing in hot springs in in, in Antarctica, and you know, there's been like uh, snow-free valleys and things like that that are found because of geothermal heat that's come up from underneath. Because there is there's volta volcanic activity on, on Antarctica as well. So it's, it's, not, all, I mean, it, it's not all uh, a hellish frozen landscape. No, not at all. And I mean, the thing that people have to understand is that it's enormous. I mean, Antarctica mm. is the same size as the United States and, and Europe minus Russia put together. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're talking about a lot of space and the human activity in Antarctica is severely limited. Yeah. Um, both due to the Antarctic Treaty, but also just because of the conditions. Um, and I mean, some of the, the kit that they have out there now, the, um, the British Antarctic Survey Research Base is fantastic. I mean, it looks like something out of science fiction, and and it has adjustable legs and these pods, and oh. it's it's very cool. But um, existing in in Antarctica has comes with huge numbers of challenges. But uh, see, people don't do themselves any favors when they set up things like Antarctica, though, because no one can really go there. You know, no, you, you need special permission. You get turned away. Absolutely. I mean, if if yeah. you and I if you and I got a boat and tried to sail to Antarctica, we'd get we'd get intercepted and, and turned away. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there are there are expeditions. Mm -hmm. You can do cruises and stuff that will take yeah. you. Um, I mean, but the, the the closest the cruise cruises yeah. ever get. Sorry, the picture's a bit crap. Um, but the no, yeah, the, the closest. Possible. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um. And they, the, the cruisers will kind of come in and they'll just sort of see some penguins and then they'll shoot off again. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them will make landfall in a very sort of limited way, like South Georgia Island or wherever. Yeah. Um, but access to Antarctica is, is severely limited. Having said that, if you do a search for um, celebrities like the Pope goes to Antarctica, yeah. you'll see you'll see that some some very and, and unusual people. Yeah. 
Some in very fact, unusual was, people. Who, yeah, who was it? Was it Neil Armstrong that took ill when he, or was it Buzz that took ill when they were there? I I can't remember off the there top of There was one of them took but, ill when they were actually there. Yeah. And but loads of people have gone. I mean, like famous people now, even just um a few oh, years ago there was I think but allegedly. Um and well I would it's it it's kind of a bit it's a bit of an enigma. Yeah. Um yeah. But let's let's just get back to um, Admiral Byrd's flight for a moment, um, because that that flight where he returned back three hours late was probably the event that was written about in the missing diary of Admiral Byrd. But one of the, the the problems with this missing diary is that it talks about a flight on the North Pole, not the South Pole. Wow. Um, right. Yeah. So so that's a bit of a bit of a conundrum and and kind of calls into question the veracity of this diary mm -hmm. um but let's just run run with the story because it, it's an interesting story well even um, even if the flight occurred on the north pole it, it would be the same type of aircraft and it was still three hours late yeah well one of the yeah. one of the theories that i had is that on the assumption, the big assumption that Hollow Earth is a thing, maybe, what if he found that found the thing, flew through it, and and came out the other side? Maybe he did both. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, he, and then then went back again. Yeah, but well, okay, but that's a that's a stretch because the diameter of the Earth has then has then got to be taken into account. That's going to take him like what twelve hours to fly across that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. But this is these are the places that my brain goes to when I'm researching rabbit holes. This unless is part of the fun. Unless it's like a kind of you know, you remember that um, the 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 guy who was flying off of Fort Lauderdale and th flew into what appeared to be some kind of vortex, and suddenly he was in you know, he, oh, he was coming from the Bahamas, and suddenly he was an hour outside Miami when it should have taken them five hours to get there or something like that. Yeah, well, that's the that's the Bermuda Triangle, which. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. It was another one to add to our list. Yeah, because that that one's another truly fascinating one, and there's all sorts of different explanations for it. Mm -hmm. Right. So back to the flight in the book at about half past eleven in the morning. Um, it says that the countryside below. This is Admiral Byrd supposedly report writing his diary. Yeah. Countryside below is more level and normal, if mm -hmm. I may use that word. Ahead, we spot what seems to be a city. This is impossible. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The oh. controls refuse to respond. My God. They're disc-shaped and they have a radiant quality to them. They're close enough now to see the markings on them. It's a type of swastika. This is fantastic. Where are we? What has happened? I, tr I tug at the controls again. Bird notes that he can see swastikas on the flying discs. This is a significant point, considering the bird was in Antarctica looking for a hidden Nazi base. Now, just as a, a little point that always makes me chuckle ever since I heard it, one of the nicknames for the Nazi, hidden Nazi base was uh, Neue, Neue Schwabenland, uh -huh. which yeah. is basically New, New Schwabland, yeah. and it just makes me think well, of cra was, Crazy Klaus in Davos. Yeah. What was Queen Maudland? Is that German as well? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean. No, you I'm just sure. you've you've just hit me with something. Yeah, you might have to look that. Um, up. Yeah, it, it's not just now. At some point. Yeah, no, I will. I don't. I don't want to start going off doing research. That's that's no. not the point of these. Um, but I should have I should have picked up on that one. It's it's difficult to pick because I was new to Operation High Jump. I'd never really researched it. Um, so what we're talking about this evening is the product of about a month's worth of. Um, research and reading. Yeah, yeah. So, birds spotted these. This is in the book that mm -hmm. he's seen these flying discs with swastikas on them, um, and they're flown by tall blonde pilots who speak to Bird in what he describes as a Nordic or Germanic accent. Nordic in aliens. Book, is... It's Nordic aliens. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the, the thing a, is that he the, the book the book says. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, they they called themselves the Ariani, so oh, Arians. <laughs> um, I mean, who knows? Ariani Grandi. But the interesting... <laughs> oh, God, don't start. I saw a really funny meme of her where she does a transformation from when she's young and then she ends up as one of the the uh, Urukai bowmen from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, so the, the interesting thing is that in the diary, he actually reports losing control of the plane um, and then it, it, his aircraft effectively not falling out of the sky um, and the engine stopping and the plane being brought down really gently. Right. And he gets out and he meets the, the pilots of this plane and he's taken for an audience underground with the master where he's told that the inner world civilization has been closely watching the surface world with growing interest, especially after the atomic bomb explosions in Japan. Mm. Finally, at the end, as Bird and his radio men are allowed to leave, his host bid them Alfredo Jane. Hardly a farewell one would expect from a highly advanced underground civilization who has kept their distance from the primitive surface world. Yeah. As for the rest of the story, the lush green valleys, the mammoths, these could all be because he he saw lush green valleys as he was flying um, through. This is yeah. where he, he was flying over ice. Yeah. And then suddenly he's over this lush valley and he can see mammoths and various other oh, animals. Live animals, is he claiming? Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he reports seeing live live mammoth-looking creatures, right. and and he actually descends he descends in altitude. And this is before he's picked up um, by his uh, his visitors or um, well the UFOs yeah. with swastikas on them. Um, but whatever happened, he did have some sort of earth-shaking experience, and it I mean high jump finished. They they just left. Yeah, I mean so, there are so other rumours. So when he got back, they basically packed up and shipped off home. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I mean there there are there's all sorts of rumours floating around about um, battles with Nazis. I mean there's there are some stories that that the um, the the high jump task force actually had a a, a shooting fight with uh -huh. some Nazi UFOs. Um, and essentially ended up having their asses handed to them and making a swift retreat. Um, and fascinatingly, um, a few months later, starting in June of 1947, um, the US, that was when um, all the UFO sightings started. That was yeah. when Roswell happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was when we had the, the, the crash, the, the, sorry, the crash. Um, near Roswell in New Mexico. Well, there's and a couple of crashes, the, wasn't there? There was more than one. Yeah, and there was also sightings that didn't involve crashes from yeah. um, pilots who were, who were very good observers. And, and, I mean, we covered a lot of that in, in the last um, or the previous rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, we have done, done not, the bell yet, have we? No? Um, we covered it a little oh, no, bit in... In the UFO Yeah, one. we, we yeah. did talk about it in the... Um, yeah, the, the the UFO episode, and and it's I mean it's rumored that that was one of the one of the things that, that the Nazis took to Antarctica. Now, there's all sorts of theories because I mean as as we covered before, there was a, a crash of a UFO in the Black Forest in Germany in the late 1930s. Uh -huh. yeah. Now, did did the Nazis have some sort of um, special technology? They were certainly working on stuff like that. Yeah, well, did it get shipped? I mean, the, the the whole bell thing is a bit strange because I think basically they were trying to say that they were using a special type of mercury or something, and they were spinning it at weird speeds. And and there there is yeah. there is scientific experiments that have shown that there is a marked drop in the act of gravity when you do things with mercury and spinning it. It's it is, it's all a bit strange. In fact, like uh, that Canadian guy, we'll need to have we'll need to um, do him as well at one point. You know the um, the guy that does the stuff with the frequency and vibration, the levitation and all that. So there's probably yeah, something that we could go down in that route. But again, that's for another show, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's. I mean, it, 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 some of the theories behind some of this strange tech mm -hmm. and over unity energy and. Um, Scalar energy and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fascinating. And then, the, um, when did Berlitz start writing his books about the Hollow Earth? Was that that was what the fifties and things was it? Yeah, but I mean, the, the Hollow Earth theories have been around uh -huh. ooh since the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's. So I, I take let me right. just. Uh, sorry, I, I take it the Hollow That's Earth fine. theory was around before Jules Verne wrote, you know, Journey to the Center of the Earth, or did he kick off these Hollow Earth theories? 
No, it was around before that. Right, okay. Um, I mean, at its core, the hollow earth theory posits that the earth is not a solid sphere, but uh, rather a features vast habitable space within its interior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This concept has appeared throughout history in various myths and legends in different cultures. I mean, the Tibetans talk about um, uh, Shambhala, yeah. which is supposedly far north um, and this land of uh, endless sunshine and prosperity. One of the things that I was interested coming into this because hollow earth on first glance when you're used to conventional theories about everything um seems kind of as outlandish as flat earth i mean you would yeah. think that if if there were two bloody great big holes at the at the north and south pole um that they would have been on a nasa picture or whatever yeah um there's not and, a lot I mean, of, there's not a lot of satellites do a, a polar orbit no no um and i mean obviously geologists will completely poo-poo the idea that the earth is hollow yeah um, but, okay. but i went on a little bit no, gone. but then they, they find new things out all the time like um i mean basically this they say there's an ocean under the earth you know there's yeah. as much water under the earth as there is in the oceans above it because they're found if not these, more uh, yeah the, these massive trapped bodies of water and the thing is how does that work because the pressure and temperatures meant they get hotter and hotter so surely it should be you know, you would think it would be steam or a gas or whatever, or maybe yeah, you maybe think the pressure so. keeps it liquid. But then, and and then the other thing, I mean, the maximum depth we've ever gone is about eight kilometers, isn't it? That borehole in Russia. I think that's yeah. the maximum depth that we've ever drilled to, and and that's mm-hmm. not that far. Is it? Was it eight kilometers? No, I mean, I think twenty. It, it, it's it's not that far anyway. You know. Yeah, I think I think the actual crust is supposed to be something like six hundred kilometers thick. Yeah, but yeah. don't quote me on that because I'm I'm I've just got that number in my brain, so my brain is frequently wrong. But um, I sort of went on a little bit of a research mission to see if there was a plausible scientific explanation mm-hmm. behind how the planet might form in in an unusual method like that. Okay. So the first, the, the first one is um, centrifugal forces, which some suggest that during the Earth formation, the spinning molten mass created a centrifugal force that pushed the heavy metals outwards to form the Earth's crust, while leaving behind a massive cavity within. Heat generated by the continuous spinning and friction produced the gravity experienced by those inhabiting the surface. That's the first one. Right. The second one is gravitational collapse. Um, which is that during its formation, the planet experienced immense pressure and heat in its core, causing gravitational collapse. As a result, the outer shell remained intact, but the interior contains a vast cavernous space for potential habitation. And that would also um, explain, because all of the hollow earth theories describe um, a a place where you never have any darkness. So there is no darkness at all. And theoretically, that extends to a spiritual level because some of the theories posit that that the hollow earth actually exists on fourth and fifth dimension um, of reality as well. So there's that too. We're not necessarily talking about our, our mm-hmm. dimension of reality. Yeah. Um, so the third and five, the, the third way that it could happen is that it could be the result of celestial collision where early in the solar system's history, it is theorized that the Earth may, might have suffered a glancing blow from another celestial body. The impact of this could have ejected a significant portion of its interior mass into space or induced forces that hollowed the Earth, leaving a habitable area within its shell. Um, okay. so the key features, proponents argue that there are entrances to the inner world, both at the North and South Poles. Let me just pull up a picture of that. Um, here we go. Obviously, this is an artist's impression. <laughs> that looks a bit. That looks a bit obvious, though, doesn't it? Well, it, I mean, it, it does a bit. Now, the theory, because I thought this is ridiculous. Because I mean, surely we've had ships and explorers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Admiral Byrd claims to have flown from Little America to the yeah. South Pole. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't say anything about a giant sodding hole on the way. 
<laughs> um, but the theory behind the the sort of quasi science, pseudoscience behind this idea of big holes in the earth yeah. are that that there's if it's a big one like the one that's on screen that there could be gravitational forces which if you try to go to it will take you round it instead and that the magnetic anomalies kind of mess with your compass to make you think you're going in the same direction or the the holes are significantly smaller um and there are actually people i mean there's there's an expedition that was planned um i can't remember the guy's name i'd have to look it up but there wasn't an expedition planned in the 80s or the 90s um and then the guy who was planning it mysteriously died and and the, the project was taken up by someone else and they tried to raise funding and um but this goes right i mean these expeditions to try and find these polar openings go right the way back to the turn of the last century because there's people talking about taking airships on um great expeditions to the north pole to try and find the um hole there's people that have been lost on expeditions yeah that have have said to have, have gone into the hole and they've decided it was so nice they never wanted to come back um there's legends among the inuit of, of a land far north where the sun never sets and it's all nice and warm and there's plenty of fish. Okay. Right. So this is not, these are, there's myths and legends surrounding this that yeah. go back um, to the year dot pretty much. Um, so theoretically the entrances at both North and South Pole and within the earth is believed to be an inner sun or a luminous core that provides light, warmth, and energy for life, similar to our sun's role on Earth's surface. This inner ecosystem could support diverse flora and fauna, as well as potentially undiscovered advanced civilizations. Um, additionally, advocates of the hollow Earth theory argue that a range of unusual phenomena, such as the Earth's magnetic field and the movement of the poles, could be explained by the presence of a large rotating central core inside the planet. They claim that our current understanding of seismology may not adequately account for this possibility. So that's the hollow Earth. Um, okay. Now, one of the other theories is that it's actually inside out and that we're the ones that are in the hollow Earth. Oh, and we're and yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the, the slide that's currently on screen, the yeah, idea is like that... it's like a Malteser or something, doesn't it? A revel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, crunchy on the outside, nuclear hot on the inside. Yeah. Um. So that's. I mean, we've we've got the Nazis. With, let's see, we've done Nazis. We've done Hollow Earth. Uh, we've done the UFOs. Um. I did find it very fascinating that a few months after High Jump finished so abruptly, mm-hmm. um, that we had the crash in. Roswell. Now, one of the slightly more outlandish theories that crossed my mind was that perhaps the Americans recovered something in Antarctica or the Nazis switched side and and the Americans said, look, we'll just paperclip you guys to Nevada um, and you you can you you can just keep doing doing what you're doing and you don't have to be all cold and miserable down here on the uh, bottom of the planet. Yeah, and and then essentially and shipped these Hanabus or whatever the hell they were to um, New Mexico. Yeah, and, and we're we're, we're the... mucking, yeah, we're mucking around with them, um, and ended up crashing it. And and someone blamed aliens before they could jump on the story. Again, it's all speculation, um, and there's no there's no evidence for it. But it, it's one of those fun mental kind of exercises um and i don't know how i had to show this 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 is one of my fun slides with, with little shwabi picking poking his head out from the bottom this is a map of the the section of antarctica that was um supposedly new schwabenland um and for any german speakers out there i've probably totally mangled it now i don't know any of this tracks with flat earth i'm sure if there are any flat earthers out there listening um that they will uh let us know in in the comments or whatever 
isn't, isn't part well some of the flat earth lore would be that once you're past the ice wall it, it just keeps going there's different lands and different realms well yeah and and that's that's kind of at odds with people i don't know how flat earthers would explain admiral bird's um flight to the south pole um because theoretically he he did that i mean he's not not the sort of thing one would think yeah, that Admiral use, Bird would lie about. Yeah, but what's he using for navigation? Because you can't use a compass. So what's he using? Gyroscopes? Yeah, I think that was how they navigated with gyroscopes. Yeah. So I mean the question um, is are you you could be basic you could be flying in a circle and think you're going straight. Yeah. I mean uh, theoretically. I, I, it's but, just I mean, we're we're just spitballing here. We've no idea what's oh, no, going absolutely, on but that's these people say for sure. Yeah, and and I mean, but but at the same time, we've also got um, the 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 expeditions to the South Pole, um, where people lost their lives. I mean, you had yeah. the race between the British and who's it, the Norwegians or the yeah, it's, uh, um, it's, is it? What's his name? Amundsen, Amundsen, yeah, Amundsen, and, and Amundsen won because he wasn't British, and they ate the dogs. And he took, yeah, it, yeah, he took, um, he, took and he the took dogs. Th- he took the dogs with the intention of eating them because he knew that he wouldn't be able to carry enough food. And Scott did exactly the opposite. He took the dogs with the intention of feeding them and ended up starving to death. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, and then there's also I didn't I I. I forgot to do that, but um, if people do a Google Images search for um, pyramids in Antarctica, yes, the pyramids. There's some very, yeah, there are some very interesting shapes. Um, that let me just see if I can do this without doing everything. Um, and there's also a channel. Oh, what's it called? There's a YouTube channel where a lot of I think it's called Mars Explorers, right? Um, and and he dissects um, NASA's imagery with Photoshop, looking for places where where someone has screwed around with the image. Because in Photoshop, there are various tools uh, using gamma and stuff where you yeah. can actually um, see whether an image has been screwed around well, with. Let, let's and be you could, honest. You could... Let's be honest. Most of NASA's images have been screwed around with. I mean, uh, yeah. they don't have a proper photograph of the Earth because they're all composites. Because they're nothing far away, far enough away to take a proper photograph. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, I mean, there's that's just we should be, we should really be plugging our um, our other episode of uh, Down the Rabbit Hole. Yeah. Um, because we've we've covered that in quite a lot of detail. Yeah, and the, the, that's you know the duplicated clouds and things. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can see it looks like natural rock formations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's, um, is that not where they did that alien and predator thing? Is that not in there? I, I don't know. I've seen that movie. Anything's possible. That. Yeah, I, I mean. I love these type of movies. I like the long, slow build. I, you know, like the thing. The thing was classic. And even a bit of the old. Um, What's it? The the X Files movie when they were set, that one that was set in Antarctica wasn't too bad either. I like the the slow yeah absolutely discovering these things. Then it all goes to to um it all goes pear shaped, shall we say? I mean, Alien versus Predators is we we live on clown world, so mm-hmm. I I mean at this point. John, anything is possible with these crazy people. Well, Honestly, I, think, I mean... One of the big things that came out again today is they're still maintaining that we're living in a simulation and the, the chances are becoming more and more prevalent that this is a simulation and we don't really exist. Well, there's... I mean, there's, there's, there's the, the, the theories about the holographic universe. Yeah, well, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And I mean, matter is just energy condensed down to a slower vibration. Well, if so you think ultimately, about, everything's energy. If you think about it, matter is actually hard light. Mm-hmm. You know, really? Yeah. Because it's all a question of frequency. And I mean, as as and as David Icke is fond of 
saying that our, our senses, our human senses, are massively limited in terms of, yeah. of the parts of the vis- visible light spectrum that we can see, the parts of the audio, audio spectrum that we can hear. Yeah. Um, and that there could be an entire parallel universe happening at a slightly different frequency of light. Mm-hmm. That we'd have we'd have no awareness of. Well, and that could that could go towards explaining things like ghosts and you know that creepy feeling when you think somebody's watching you, and mm-hmm. yet you can't see anyone. Maybe someone is watching you. Absolutely, it's entirely possible. <laughs> um, and I mean, the, but Antarctica is—it's essentially a continent-sized rabbit hole. There is yeah. there is so much going on there. Yeah, and because it's so far away. Because so few people have been there, um, it's 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 kind of a mystery. I mean, I, I just pulled up the Antarctic Treaty, which was um, December the first, nineteen fifty nine, that it was signed amongst the signatory countries, um, and these are all um, the states that have a have a piece of Antarctica. Yeah, um, and it's all. I mean, it's it it's just kind of standard treaty. There's nothing nothing rabbit holey about it um but the fact that access is so restricted just uh, as i said before nature abhors a vacuum um and this is one giant vacuum that is filled with loads and loads of different stories i mean going back to the there's a couple of books that people can because this is that's basically it as far as the presentation goes okay um there's just a few more i mean we, we can keep going because you we sort of wanted to keep it for about an hour, so that was kind of how I planned it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we've got a little bit of extra time for chit chat, and we could always take some uh, listener questions. Yeah. Um, and also, we need to have, start having a think now yeah, before well, the end of the show about actually, the next Sean, rabbit hole. Sean in the chat room there comes up with a good one. The um, the is it the Perry Reads map that came that came out and shows the the contours of Antarctica underneath the ice. That you yes. you couldn't yeah. map you couldn't map in the fifteen hundreds you know um, unless you could see through the ice and how would they do that so the question is yeah, did that map, did that, was that map a copy of something else from an even earlier more advanced civilization perhaps it's a good question um, <laughs> well it's a very good question I mean that's the Piri Reese map and it also um. It, it's it definitely comes from a larger section of map. Yeah. So yeah. one has to wonder if if one of the in one of the secret archives or a secret collector or someone has the rest of the Piri Reese map. Yeah. Um, but in Graham Hancock's uh, really good yeah. documentary on Netflix, Ancient uh-huh. um, Apocalypse. If if people haven't watched that, I strongly recommend it. Um, and then once you've done that on YouTube, head over to Suspicious Observers and watch his um, disaster playlist because there's mm-hmm. some some very interesting overlaps. Um, but that, that's uh, Graham Hancock says Ben Ben that's um, Ben Davidson. Ben Davidson, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, uh, I think it's Sun Weather Man on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure yeah, of that. I mean, yeah, if people I mean, follow me, that, I, I generally retweet his stuff. He's got that app that predicts when earthquakes are going to occur based on yeah. the the activity of the sun. Mm-hmm. And it Absolutely. seems to be now, pretty accurate. Um, yeah, so well, Andrew, his, uh, an, sorry, Andrew and the um, Andrew and the chat says that the scales all to pot for the period. Yeah, well, it probably is Andrew. But the thing is, what you have to remember is that. In the, the medieval times, and or allegedly, because we, we don't actually know anything. So in medieval times, what happens was people were quite happy to copy maps that were made by other people. So the question is, to copy a map um, with that's been made by someone else, that still doesn't, under, you still don't understand how they, they got the shape of Antarctica right when it's covered in ice. And I mean, and the thing is, Antarctica has been hasn't been ice free for what fifty thousand years, you know. So really? how how did they do it? That's the question. It's yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. 
absolutely fascinating. The other interesting thing, what, what which on? is on oh, just, just, Ancient Apocalypse, right. yeah. is down here. Uh-huh. Theoretically, this is a massive island um, off the coast of Caribbean, where the Bahamas is now. And that oh, pre the last Wood. ice age, yeah, yeah. When, um, when sea levels were so much lower that uh-huh. this this was an actual big island. So how, how is any of this possible when, as you said, it shouldn't be possible? Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, It's, and, and it's the, fascinating. The, there are cities off the coast of India that are under 300 feet of water. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's not yeah. an allegation. That's a fact. They are there, you know. Yeah, there's interesting structures off the coast of Japan, and those archaeologists are say that those are they, those are like um, what do you call it, mega step pyramids. Yeah, but they're huge. They're absolutely ginormous. But the the, mm-hmm. city, the cities off the coast of um, off off the coast of India are you know regular size cities. Um, the other thing I think uh, Shalini is quite insistent that I let you know that she she's suggesting the Bermuda Triangle. Um, so we'll, we'll put that in the. Uh, the thing, the other thing I wanted to mention before I forget is what about that strange island that was supposed to exist just off the coast of Ireland? Do you remember? Do you do you know anything about that one? I don't. Let's, so let's have a quick. Uh, yeah, well, there there used to be this Ireland apparently island apparently that existed off the coast of Ireland, and yet nobody can now find it because it appeared on maps and everything. Well, it's. Yeah, it is. Atlantis. So, but it could be the story there we go. of Atlantis. Yeah. Oh, good, good God. Well, there you go. Yeah. We'll so, I mean, there was something there. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's fascinating when you think about what the planet looked like before the end of the last ice age when the sea yeah. levels were so much lower. Yeah. Because we have an entire... Um, like there's Doggerland, yeah. Not to be confused, not not to be confused with the with the slightly disgusting people who do things in cars in forests. Um, but when you look at a, a map of the, the seabed, yeah. Once there was a huge amount of land in between um, the UK and Norway, um, and you could walk from yeah, London to Paris without getting your feet yeah, wet. Yeah, because the North Sea is pretty shallow. Absolutely, um, and it's—I mean, it, it, it's fascinating. But yeah. as far as the next rabbit hole goes, we should—we should do another poll. So yeah. we need—we need another suggestion. Yeah, we'll do a poll. Um, so, the, so Bermuda Triangle. What was what were the other things I was coming up with earlier? Uh, oh, I've got memory like a goldfish. Let me <laughs> let me look back through my slides. Um, I really need to start writing these things down. Anybody else get anything in the uh, in the chat room that thinks the Black Knight yeah, satellite? Nice. That's mm, I don't know if we could do a full There's... episode in the Black Knight because not a lot known about it. So, well, we could. How about how about um, Black Knight satellite and and Hollow Moon? Because hollow we've done moon? we've done hollow. Yeah, because because there's the whole well, the Hollow Moon theory. Well, yeah, that's that's the. I mean, there's that. Um, Moonfall, uh, Roland Emmerich film well, that came out not that long ago. Why don't we just say base stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moonfall. I mean, we've done. We've, I've seen Moonfall. It's terrible. Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> but film, it's but so, some of the it's so terrible that you've got to watch it. It's like a car crash. You can't walk, You can't look away. Yeah, and 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 the thing is that some of the weirdness about the moon, in terms of its size and its position between the earth and the sun in such a way oh, that it's, it's it, 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 that we get eclipses and there's all sorts of um it's got mathematical to be a stuff it's got to be a construct yeah and and it's i mean it's way bigger than relative to earth than any of the other right. is satellites any, of any is there of the other planets thought choice anyone uh, so what have we got could have something history the chronovisor oh that's the um, that's the mm. That's the the Vatican thing, you know about that, don't you? That one I've never heard about. Oh, you've actually. never heard about the chronovisor. So apparently the Vatican can go back and watch historical events 
happening. Oh, well, we could do a we we could do a rabbit because again, that's probably go, not. You could probably go whole whole Vatican stuff there because of the yeah. Nuts. I mean, we could do we could do one on the Vatican secret archives and and some some speculation about that. Right. So let's um, so there's there's enough, third choice for the poll. Yep. So we've got Bermuda Triangle, space stuff, or Vatican, Vatican, Vatican. Right. Here we go. Community. <laughs> I'm asking. Let's make sure you spell it right on the poll. Yeah. Vatican. I think that's right, isn't it? Probably not. It doesn't matter. Uh, V-A-T-I-C-A-N. No, put a C in there somewhere. Um, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. they could see future possible outcomes, Sean. This is, uh, I'm not sure about that one, but the coronavirus is cool. But there's, there's all sorts of stuff, even just the, the more conventional stuff in the Vatican Archive, like... Um, Oh, hidden yeah. works of art from the Library of Alexandria and, well, and here's a texts question. from... Here's the question that I mm -hmm. heard someone say today, right? And, and this will probably be our closing thought. How do we know? How do we know that the Library of Alexandria burned down, right? And how do we know that the Colossus, Colossus of Rhodes fell down, right? When these things happened in their time... How do we know who recorded that when everything was destroyed? That's a very good question. Just a thought. <laughs> well, we we like well. thoughts. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point of the rabbit holes is to get people thinking about stuff to explore subjects that other people haven't really oh. touched on very much or are so lengthy. I mean, I try and I try and condense things down to an hour because I mean the number of books I mean sometimes it's just rabbit holes I'll read two or three books and and watch 30 40 videos um and spend hours scrolling through google images trying to find interesting pictures for the slides the problem and it's not I mean but yeah. I, I love it I mean I love doing it it's it's a huge amount of yeah. fun oh, um but the idea is to is to try and give people an overview because it's not meant to be exhaustive and to spark off some interest in further research yeah. See the problem, um, and the also to say, sorry, John, to interrupt, but to say that if anybody researches any of the rabbit holes themselves, and you guys come out with stuff that we haven't mentioned in the show or that you find really interesting, then hit me up on Twitter and let yeah. me know about it because I'm really comment, interested. Comment and the, the comment on YouTube and all that as well, because that helps our algorithm. So remember, like, share, and comment because interaction really helps. So comment on all our shows, whether good or bad. We always read all the comments and we usually answer them as well. Um, the other thing uh, that I was going to say was, what were we talking about before I started talking about commenting? Like, oh, the problem with researching rabbit holes is you go down loads of different rabbit holes. <laughs> it's a warren. It's not all the rabbit holes connect together. <laughs> it's actually more like an anthill, isn't it? Underground. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and and it's it it never stops as well because for every um, for every rabbit hole you think you've explored, you will find another passage to another rabbit hole. Yeah. Um. But then over time, you also realise that it's the connections between the rabbit holes that can be where where you can find the truth. Because if you've got a lot of different things connecting together in a way that's consistent and and makes sense then you can start to get an overall picture. Yeah. Right, so at the moment, the poll's running. The poll is running with the Vatican is well ahead at 50%. Space stuff is at 21%, and Bermuda Triangle is in the middle at 29%. So if anyone wants to vote, you have one minute, and then we will end the poll. So you have one minute. Get voting. Make your choices. That's oh. a good way of doing it rather than leaving it open for ages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I was just looking at some of the maps of Antarctica that were ice free. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, there are also ancient maps which show a much larger. Ice extent as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is 
Yeah, well, that I mean, one. There's, there's obviously going to be there's going to well, yeah, that's um <laughs> when the when the Earth sea levels were much reduced, then that water had to be somewhere. So one's got to assume it was locked up in ice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, or well, locked up in ice on land rather yeah. than locked up oh, in right. ice on the sea. Because yeah, if you yeah. melt an iceberg, it's not going to change the sea level. Oh, it's exactly. If you if you're your gin and tonic, if the ice melts in it, your gin and tonic doesn't overflow, does it? No, it just gets ice, watery and tastes nasty. Yeah, because the ice displaces the same amount of liquid as it contains. So there we go. I think it's going to be the Vatican people at 53%. The Vatican takes this one. Um, Bermuda Triangle gets an honourable mention. Um, so we'll throw the Bermuda Triangle onto the next one uh, and, and see how it goes up against whatever we've come up with at that point. But it's the cool. Vatican. Yeah, make sure you write that Vatican one down. For you, um, for you, Ed, I shall send you a message Excellent. to remind you. Yeah, make make sure you clear your diaries for that one because it's going to take about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. Yeah. I think an I think an hour is a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th I think an hour is a good time, and and I've enjoyed them tonight's. I've I've enjoyed tonight's showing of Admiral Bird. Um, As have I. It's uh, there's some th things in there I didn't know, and other things I did, and that's that's what it's all about. Every day's a school day. So with that, oh, absolutely. With that, I'd like to thank everyone for attending this a fresh episode of Down the Rabbit Hole with Ed the Techie. Ed, have you any closing remarks? Anything you want to plug? I would just like to say thanks to everyone who listened in. Come and follow me on Twitter if you're not already. Um, and you can buy me a coffee as well if you want to. Buymeacoffee.com slash Ed the Techie. Um, apart from that, Thank you very much for having me, and, and remember, thank you to everyone out there for listening yeah. to me. And remember, you can always support us at any time with your super chats or your support on Kofi, which is on screen. Um, and we truly appreciate it. Um, there's a new thing coming tomorrow night, so join us for Friday nights all in because there's something fresh coming, and you'll like it. And remember, it's been great for you. It's been fantastic. Yeah, we were built to thrive, yeah I think that we've all had enough What keeps you up at night, yeah Make all the demons quiet, yeah We were 